When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight, unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your financial future. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth. We're glad you could join us again this week. My name is Jeff Shade, and again, I'm just here to ask the questions. But the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Power Evans CPAs. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Brian, another great show lined up for us today, but I want to start off with some things that people can't help but notice if they've watched TV and listened to the radio lately, and that is the fact that we have just recently had another interest rate high. I understand it's about a half percent. Yeah, we've had an interest rate hike. And, and one of the things that we talk about a lot in this show is the difference between interest rates, you know, and then when the Fed hikes the interest rate, that is not inflation. Inflation and interest rates are completely different. They can sometimes be correlated, but they are very different. So we've been talking on the show for over a year about how inflation has been underreported. And it cannot be controlled by just interest rate adjustments. The interest rate adjustment you're talking about is the overnight borrowing rate between banks. That does not control how much you pay for gasoline or lumber or groceries or anything like that. That's more a supply and demand computation. Now, we have had a much higher inflation in reality than it's been reported, and that's finally coming out. As I mentioned on previous shows, I'm sorry I'm right about that one, but I was, that they were underreporting it. We're seeing uh, increases in prices across the board now, much more than probably the 6 7 8% that's being reported. I'm sure everybody feels that in their pocketbook. Well, you say it's 8%, but if I pay $3 for gas, wouldn't I be paying $3.24 for gas if it was 8%? No, I'm paying five something. Okay, that doesn't seem like my math says that that's not eight. Mm -hmm. You can look at everything you're you're paying money for. And I've even noticed, you know, there were some things that were kind of keeping it down in the computation, like rents and so forth. You know, if you had a two-year lease, well, that didn't go up. But now you're renewing that lease and you're in Bellevue. Maybe it went up 30%, maybe 40%. You know, so we're seeing it across the board. The inflation is more of a supply and demand quotient. And so where we have diminished supply in oil, for instance, and gas prices go up, where we have supply chain problems in China due to locking down due, due to COVID again, prices go up. There's not as many goods and services available and the same demand is there. So prices go up so the people that can afford it buy it and the people that can't don't. That causes inflation. So that is more uh, what we're looking at there. The Fed believes it can reduce inflation by raising interest rates and slowing down the economy. And I suppose that can work to some degree, but it will not solve the problem of inflation. So obviously we are paying more than we have been for a lot of things. As you said, three twenty-five for a gallon of gas, it's well over $5. There isn't anything that I can find that I bought recently that is up only 8.5%. So inflation is still here, even though these interest rate hikes are are designed to curb inflation, it's not doing a very good job. So what would we have to do to curb this inflation and to get back where we need to be? Well, I don't know that uh, I have the answer to that, how to curb it, but you have to look at your own situation to figure out, okay, what should I do in, in the midst of this? And so some of the things I think about is, you know, the biggest asset category out there is bonds. And I've been talking for a long time on this show that it's a mathematical equation. When interest rates, not inflation, but when interest rates go up, the value of your bond decreases, period. It just does. It's mathematical. It's not just an opinion. And so the biggest asset class in the world is bonds. We hold more bonds than anything else. And I'm talking to clients that own bonds, trying to explain this concept more and more now. But isn't it paying a certain amount? Yes, it is. However, you used to have a premium if you were to sell that bond. Now that premium's going away because it's, it's losing value. And I just looked up the aggregate bond, the U.S. aggregate bond index, and it's down about 10% year to date. Most people think, well, 
well, aren't my bonds safe? Don't they just stay at an interest rate? And I get that, so that makes them safe. No, it does not. It changes the underlying value when interest rates go up, which they have. And again, the aggregate bond index is down 10% year to date. And you're thinking, well, I had my bonds in there to offset if the market's down. Now, now my market's down year to date, double digits. You're saying my bonds are down double digits. I got a problem. So this is where we need to address how does inflation affect you? Because you might have locked in and you say, well, at least I have some CDs. They're not losing money, but they're also called certificates of disappointment yeah. because <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you, know, you have one, it's paying 1% and you go, well, inflation's eight, but really it's probably more than that. And I'm getting one. Oh, one minus eight is negative seven. If I believe it's only 8%, oh gosh, I'm losing money, aren't I? Yes, you are. Yeah, the real, real return is different than nominal return. Nominally, you're making 1%, but your real return is negative 7 if you believe inflation is only 8%. So negative 7 doesn't sound like an awesome investment. So this is where we have to look at what we're investing in and say, does what I have make sense given what I think is happening is, is going to happen in the future? This is what financial planning should be doing. It's planning. It's thinking about the future and positioning yourself now, giving yourself a good rooted wealth system now that's thinking about these things and is preparing for the eventualities that you may think are going to happen. So, Brian, if I'm hearing you correctly, if you have a proper financial plan, you're really not worried so much about inflation because the plans that you do do account for inflation. I mean, is there a typical figure that you count on for typical inflation on an annual basis with these plans? Well, we do have to put something in, and we just had an investment committee meeting yesterday, and we changed it. We increased it. We've had it overstated for years and years and years, which is good. You want a conservative financial plan. That way, your actual results will be better than even what you projected to limit, you know, and make sure that you have a better chance of success. That, that's an important thing. But if uh, we did increase it, not not to the current level, we, we hope someday it, it levels out somewhat over, over the years to come, but just acknowledging that it is is it's real and that you're doing something about it is is really important when you look at your plan you go gosh i'm in all this stuff that i know doesn't make any sense and my advisor put me in a 60 40 stock bond split and i got a whole bunch of money in cds and everything tells me i should have some other things and you should probably i mean i think most people should have uh you know all the different asset categories in there uh maybe you don't have the protection uh availed by a new and universal life, fixed index universal life. And maybe you don't have the income and growth that could be availed by proper private non-traded REITs or whatever might be appropriate in your situation. I don't know you. I can't see you. I'm on the radio. So if we did, we would say, okay, what are some of the planning opportunities we can do for you that could give you those deep roots in your planning process? That makes sense. I mean, a lot of this is common sense. You know, I'll say, okay, you have a lot of bonds. Yes. Do you think rates are going up? Yes. <laughs> you know they're going to lose money. Yes. Why are you in them? I don't know. You know, so that's, that's a conversation I have over and over. Well, do you want to do something about it? Uh, yes, I think so. <laughs> so that's that's what we're talking about when we're talking about uh, planning, financial planning as it relates to inflation or anything else. I don't have the magic pill that's going to fix inflation, certainly, but I do understand that planning is better than no planning. Absolutely. And we'll talk about that rooted wealth analysis in just a few moments here in the program. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs about current events and the recent interest rate hike. Brian, another thing that is in the news that I've read many times, I cannot pick up any sort of financial newspaper, almost any newspaper, go to the money page without the R word being mentioned, and that is recession. Yeah, I get asked about the recession. You know, what if we have a recession? What if we have a recession? Well, let's define it. It might be a decreasing GDP for two consecutive quarters. Well, let's say two consecutive quarters were 0.1% increase. We don't have a recession. What if they're 0.1% decrease? Then officially we have a recession. But those are kind of the same. Mm-hmm. They, they aren't that different. So the, the terminology recession doesn't necessarily mean, oh, my gosh, everything's going away. Is it 0.1? Is it 10.1? Ooh, okay, now that, now we're talking a real problem as opposed to the 0.1. So we have to be careful about just, you know, oh, there's a recession. But what, what does that mean? What does that mean to what you're in? Again, back to your own plan. Does that mean that your annuities are going to do worse? No. It doesn't. Oh, okay. Does it mean my fixed index universal life is going to do worse? No, it doesn't. Oh, okay. Well, how about my stocks? Well, it depends on what you're in, doesn't it? And the ebbs and flows of that. How about my real estate? 
Well, it may not. Won't inflation make me lose money? Well, often real estate is inflation-protected asset in that your rents are going up because of inflation, yet your bank payments, uh, your mortgage payments might be fixed. And so your costs are fixed, your income's up. They're actually good in an inflationary market. So again, there's all these different things we have to consider when we're talking about, oh, recession, I better just bail on everything, put it all in cash. We just talked about, well, if inflation's 8% and you're in cash, your real return is negative 8%. So that's not a great answer. So putting the right pieces together for your own plan and having the right kind of plan that is rooted in a lot of common sense, but a lot of work and a lot of planning. That's exactly right. And you talked about real estate there a little bit. And as you said, in the greater Seattle area, we're seeing 30, 40% rent hikes in uh, residential real estate from other parts of the country. I think uh, Nick Smelzer on last week's show told us that in Miami, it can be as much as 80%. So if you are are a landlord, you own residential real estate like that, inflation is actually good for you. Yeah, my uncle who owned a lot of rentals, he used to always tell me inflation's, a, he's just rooting for inflation. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Why? <laughs> well, because I own 24 rental houses. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. So uh, yeah, it actually is, can be a financially positive thing if you're on that side of things. On the flip side, if you're trying to buy something or build something, you know, part of the reason why those valuations of real estate have gone so up so much is because money was cheap. And for the same outlay, when you you lower the interest rates, you can buy a more expensive properties. Property values went way up, especially in those parts of the country. You just mentioned Sarasota. I know uh, parts right. of Utah, wherever right. it is. Right. Bellevue, you know, we know it's it's actually, you know, across the country. It's not just our area anymore where it used to be just our area pretty much in San Francisco. But the increasing interest rates is going to cool down, I think, real estate prices to some degree. I'm not saying they're going to necessarily drop. Uh, depends on where you're at, what it is. But uh, certainly Certainly, we're not going to. I don't suppose we're going to have three years in a row where we're going to have these kinds of increases. No, that's, no. that's just not sustainable. There's, there, there's not enough uh, income out there to make payments for anybody to buy that kind of property. But it's an interesting time that we're in, something we haven't dealt with for quite some time. Yeah, now we've been through recessions before, but a lot of people just don't realize it because they have short memories. We had one in 2020, remember? It was right. called COVID. We sure. had a recession. Yeah. It was officially in a recession, but nobody remembers that one because it went away so fast. So there's another thing. What's the resiliency? What's the bounce back? Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Okay, we have a recession. So what? Is it a 10-year thing or is it a six-month thing like COVID maybe? So not that COVID was six months, but the the uh, stock market recovered in, I believe, in under six months with a recession thrown in there. It was just a blip that people hardly even remember from a financial thing. Oh, yeah, I remember my statement was down I was really worried, and then I wasn't worried, and it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> it was a really weird one. I can't explain why the stock market was rallying while the entire world was locked down due to COVID, and so that was that was a really weird time. But by proper planning through that, we were able to navigate that quite well. Uh, well, we, now we're in another weird time, so let's try and navigate this one well, too. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs about recent money news and the interest rate hikes. And something that Brian mentioned a couple of moments ago was your uh, financial roots. I mean, you can have some pretty deep roots or maybe you think your roots are deep, but they're really not that deep. And when you when you think about the big pine trees and things that we have here in the Pacific Northwest and some of the old uh, trees and so forth, after a storm, sometimes you find them on their sides because their roots just weren't deep enough. If you are worried about the roots of of your financial plan, whether or not you have a deep-rooted financial plan, you can take a rooted wealth analysis right there at madronafinancial.com and check the health of your roots. It's going to really cover about seven different things. To do that, go to madronafinancial.com, click on Get Started. That's madronafinancial.com, and click on Get Started to see if your roots are deep enough. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show after this. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about tax minimization strategies. And Brian, you know, we've discussed before that there's looking at your tax situation through the rearview mirror. And that's what a lot of CPAs do. I mean, they're looking at what has already happened, but they really don't focus on what could happen in the future. So let's talk about that a little bit. When does tax minimization really start? 
Well, it starts when you start it uh, because no one's going to do it for you. The other question could be, when should it start? And the obvious answer is now would be a good time because any kind of planning to your benefit is always a good time to start planning now as opposed to later. I have never met somebody that said, boy, I sure am glad that I put off my tax planning because had I done it earlier, I would have messed it all up. But since I didn't do anything, I'm so much better off right now. That's not really something I hear a whole lot of. And so, yeah, talking about tax minimization is really important. And one thing about being a CPA, certainly, I've, you know, I've been a CPA over 35 years. And for the first 15 years of that, uh, all I did was CPA work. I wasn't a financial advisor at the time. And our focus was, I never knew what year it was, Jeff. Really? I, I didn't know if it was last year. <laughs> I had three years of, you know, within the statute of limitation, amending returns or whatever, or catching people up. I was never in the present year. We were never talking about the current year. Mm -hmm. We were always talking about the past, you know, trying to get the forms right and the audited financial statements or reviewed financial statements and everything was past years. And, uh, you know, that was where the focus was. And it's hard to focus on other things. The other problem with, you know, if you're a CPA listening, you know, well, I think about the future. Of course you do. But uh, one of the problems is if you ask your CPA, can you give me investment advice? They're going to probably say, no, I cannot. And so it's very difficult to talk about the future and your overall financial situation and tax planning if you can't talk about investments too. So that's one of the, you know, it just hinders your CPA's ability to do that. That's why it can be very advantageous to combine the two. But getting back to just the question, when should I start tax minimization planning? I'd say now is a good time. So Brian, I think most people think that, well, taxes are what they are. I mean, in a, I'm in a particular tax rate and there really isn't anything that I can do about that. Is that something that's pretty well misunderstood? It's the fact that you actually can affect how much that you pay in taxes. I like to break it into two pieces. Uh, that's actually somewhat accurate. Money you earn is going to be taxed at a certain rate generally, and there's not a lot you can do about that part. But what you can do something about is once you've earned it, paid the tax, and invested into something, or as part of your 401k contribution, you have the choice of making it a Roth contribution perhaps. So there's some tax minimization strategies right away. What you do with your investments, you do have a lot of control over, and putting money into retirement accounts and doing different things like that. So there is a lot you can do, but you, you know, you are, there is some accuracy in that you can't just say, well, gosh, I earn hundreds of thousands a year and uh, how do I get out of paying taxes? Well, you don't. You're going to pay your income tax. That's just the way it is. But there are things you can do with your investments. As I mentioned, uh, maybe you max out your Roth IRA contributions or 401k contributions. And so that you have a lifetime of Roth contributions that are permanently tax-free, including all the gains. So there's, there's an easy one there. But as I mentioned, investments outside, once you've gotten your money, paid the tax, the investments that you make during your lifetime, there's a wealth of different tax minimization strategies you could perform. Well, we know that taxes are one of the uh, seven steps in terms of your rooted wealth analysis, and we'll talk more about that later. And as you said, if it's earned income, you're going to pay taxes on whatever rate that happens to be. But if it is not earned income, if it's income from investments, different story completely. Investments are really taxed all over the place, aren't they? They have almost every one of them has their own individual tax rate. Yeah, we've done shows on this before. There are so many different tax rates, depending on the kind of income you have. It could be depreciation recap. You could be selling collectibles. You could have capital gains at multiple different rates, 0, 10, 15, 20, 23.8, and then the state income tax on top of that if you're in a state with uh, state taxes. So there's just so many different nuances to that. I want to tell a, a little story about I was uh, I'm a, a national coach to other advisors and I had this advisor call me and he says, well, you know, I had this old, older client and I, I'm going to tell her to do X, Y, and Z. And, and one of the things was she had $6 million worth of property and he was going to make sure that she gifted it before she died so they wouldn't have to go through probate. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Please don't do that. Please don't give that kind of advice. You're going to give up the step up in basis. And he says, well, what's that? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> if you gave that property away with no basis, uh, then when they eventually sell it, of course, there's going to be $6 million in taxable income. She was 93 years old, Jeff, and was getting no income from it, just paying tax, you know, property taxes. And I suggested a Delaware statutory trust if she wanted to sell it, which she did. And she would hold on to that until she passed away and not have to pay, her heirs would not have to pay any income tax on all $6 million of gain. And she would get 
lots of money, lots of cash flow. I don't know exactly how much, but lots of cash flow she didn't otherwise have. And that that money could be used to fund different things for the, she wanted to do gifts and so forth. So just a myriad, I don't get too into the weeds on that. But then he told me some other thing he was going to advise. I said, whoa, 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 no, 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 backwards again. <laughs> and at the end of the call, I said, um, Mr. Advisor, can you promise me if you ever talk to anybody with lots of money <laughs> and any tax questions, make sure that one of my staff is on the call because you're just going to end up in the in the dungeon somewhere <laughs> getting sued, I think, mm-hmm. by giving the wrong advice. But he just didn't know. But the problem was he's a fiduciary. He was insurance licensed and he was trying to give yeah. tax advice outside of his realm of expertise. And I think there's a lot of financial advisors that don't want to look stupid and they want to, you know, make sure they're putting it out there. When they're asked a question, they want to answer it but they might be given the wrong answer. So make sure that you're seeking, you know, tax minimization is fine. Strategies are fine. Make sure your advisor is fine too, because if you're getting it from the wrong source, it's going to hurt you probably more than it's going to help you. Well, I'm surprised that he didn't know about the step up in basis. I'm not a CPA or a financial advisor, and even I know that, but, but that's because I've been listening to you across the desk here for about six and a half years. Is that common that a lot of financial advisors, just because they don't want to look like they don't know what they're talking about, will say, yes, I know all about taxes, but in reality, they may have just bought a book or had some sort of cursory education, and they're not qualified to give tax advice. There's advisors across the country that claim that they are full service and they will give income tax planning, a whole thing. They have zero people on their staff qualified. There's even there's one that I know of that actually they were really adamant about, well, we, we brought it in-house. I said, oh, who'd you hire? You how many CPAs you got there? Well, we don't have any CPAs, but we have an enrolled agent. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah, that's super. They can't really give advice either, but they can prepare a, ta- a simple tax return. You know, we've hired enrolled agents at the firm to do simple tax returns that are reviewed by CPAs in the past. And, and that's fine, but that's not a tax advisor. That's not somebody you go to for strategies or anything like that. So across the country, uh, I, I absolutely know that there are advisors in every market claiming that they give tax advice and they have nobody on their staff that does it. So I'm not sure what that's about. <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time worrying about it. But, you know, we have lots of CPAs on our staff and very experienced CPAs. We have a number of CPAs with more than 30 years of experience as CPAs. So I don't know. We can give that advice. Uh, Most advisors certainly cannot. Brian, our program is called Growing Your Wealth. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it really seems like one of the biggest ways that you can grow your wealth is by minimizing taxes as opposed to, you know, making good financial investments. They got to go hand in hand. I often think, uh, how can you really be a fiduciary if you're not doing both? How can you talk investments and not talk about the tax implications? How can you talk taxes and not talk about investments? They're, they're so tied together, but unfortunately, uh, the licensing is such that they've been separated. So, you know, they're, they're a symbiotic system to me. And so to be a true fiduciary, I think you, you should be able to do both. And, you know, just little things like, for instance, I was doing a, one of my two-minute features recently, and I was talking about charitable gifting. I was like, I imagine that a lot of people out there do charitable gifting every year. And if you're over age 72, you have to take your required minimum distributions. If you are doing gifting, wouldn't it make sense to divert your required minimum distribution to the charity so that nobody pays any income tax? Just basic things like that. Oh, yeah, I'm 72. Yes, I give money to charity. And no, I'm not doing an RMD direct to the charity to get out of the tax on that. So just simple things like that to me, Roth conversions, uh, running those calculations to maximize your lower marginal tax brackets. You know, they're, they're simple to me because I've been doing it forever. And they're simple to my staff because they've been doing it forever too. So these are things that are extremely important to have in your arsenal. I, I guess, you know, I, as I'm going through this segment with you here, Jeff, it, it occurs to me that we're talking about doing something, doing tax minimization, strategizing. But to me, it's really the qualitative nature that's more important than the quantitative. Hey, I spent 10 hours doing tax planning with someone that was unqualified. Well, that probably didn't help you. That probably hindered you. I'd rather you spend one hour doing it with somebody that's very qualified rather than 10 hours of doing it with someone who's not. Brian, is this a unique specialty that you have here at Madrona Financial? What I mean is, is it common to find financial advisors that are both financial advisors and CPAs at the same time? It is extremely uncommon. You know, I travel the country. I'm a national coach, as I mentioned. I haven't seen it yet. There are firms that have both 
in-house. There's just a couple I've heard of, but not to the, the same degree that we have. They, they certainly don't have what we have. They, you know, they still don't do the DSTs, maybe the, the protective assets and annuities and premium finance, FIULs and all of that. And they, they maybe aren't estate planners and all this other stuff that I could go on and on about. I haven't found that firm yet. I'm still looking. Uh, it's probably out there somewhere. I just haven't run across it. But to answer your question, it's extremely rare to have the combination at the qualitative level. And that, that's what I'm really trying to hammer on here. The qualitative level that we're going to bring to the situation, qualitatively being able to do the most advanced tax planning or investment analysis and the combination uh, integrating the two. And I think a lot of financial advisors, you know, they say we can cover taxes because we have an association with a CPA and that CPA may come to the office one day a week. But that's not really tax planning. No, it's not. Unfortunately, the uh, communication gap between the financial advisor and CPAs is is really stunted. I've never gotten calls from brokers in my career when I was a CPA. So I, I just don't know. There's a lot of communication. And even if there was, uh, the CPAs aren't trained in the in the investment side of things. So they really can't comment on that kind of thing and the advisors don't know which questions to ask on the CPA side. They don't know the stuff to even ask to figure that stuff out. They can't run projections and and what-if scenarios and come up with those strategies. Filling out a tax return is extremely different than doing tax planning. Okay, so one of the questions, you know, we have to answer is, uh, just because you fill out a tax return, does that mean you understand real financial planning and real tax minimization strategies and what's out there, what products deliver, what solutions and so forth? It probably does not. And so that's where the disconnect, I think, happens. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs about when tax minimization starts. I want to talk to you a little bit about this rooted wealth analysis. You know, tax is one of the seven roots to sustain wealth. If you would like a rooted wealth analysis to check how deep your financial roots are, you can go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button to request your rooted wealth analysis today. It's not going to cost you a dime, but it could make a significant difference in your quality of life. So I highly encourage you to go to madronafinancial.com, click on the Get Started button and get your complimentary rooted wealth analysis. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show after this. You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona Bundle of Services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about why you need a CPA advisor combo. And Brian, over the six and a half, almost seven years that we've done this program, I've talked to a lot of financial advisors. And when I ask them about taxes, they will say something to the effect of, oh, we have this CPA or that CPA that comes to the office and they're maybe in there one day a week, but they're really just preparing tax returns. But I'm finding that a lot of these advisors are actually giving tax advice. Can they do that? Well, they can, but they're not supposed to. You know, and it is somewhat of a gray area because if you have your securities license or you're a a registered investment advisor, your representative, there is tax part of the exam. You can explain, okay, the exclusion is X when you sell your house. You, You can give stuff that's easily looked up, but you're not supposed to do actual tax planning. You're certainly not supposed to be preparing tax returns for a fee or anything like that. And until you do prepare tax returns for many tax seasons, it's hard to really understand taxes. You can't just read a book. You can't just look something up. Okay, I'm a tax expert. I, I spent an hour reading a master tax guide. No, you got to do returns uh, year after year. You got to do your 1040s, your 1065 partnerships, your 1120s, your 1120s for S corps. You got your all your schedules A B C D E uh, F, and and then you've got your when you have sales of property, how that flows through a section uh, uh, IRS form 4797, or or you know, how depreciation recapture works. All this different stuff, uh, credits and carry forwards and carrybacks and many returns. It takes a long time to get really good at just filling in the boxes. I mean, just filling out the returns 
summarizing prior year's activity. We're not even close to tax planning yet. I'm just talking about getting that skill set to where you can do those kinds of things. And another thing, when you are a CPA, you have to go through a financial statement part of your profession. I know we had to get our audit certification. We had to do audited financial statements for a couple of years and then reviews and compilations and bookkeeping, QuickBooks, you know, reconciliation, uh, all that kind of stuff too. So that's all part of the thing to get the whole process down. But again, it's we're walking before we're even running by just spending all those years learning how to, to actually prepare tax returns. And Brian, as I said, you know, a lot of these advisors will say that they have a CPA who visits the office once a week and these CPAs may be able to give tax advice. But is it the same as having a CPA and an advisor all as one person? Uh, no, because uh, now if you're going to talk about, all right, let's say the question to the CPA is, how can I uh, lower my taxes in the future? Oh, okay. They better be an estate planner first off. So a CPA is not necessarily an estate planner and they have to understand credit shelter trust provisions and, and other things that would be in the will, step up and basis, all that kind of stuff and gifting strategies and, and so forth. If they know anything about real estate, they have to understand Delaware statutory trust. Ask your CPA if he knows what a DST is. He'll probably say deferred sales trust. That's a different section of the code section, which does not uh, get you to step up. That's an installment sale. Mm -hmm. And so I've had that discussion with lawyers and CPAs before. That won't work. DSTs don't work. It's section 456. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Delaware statutory trust. What's that? I'm like, exactly. So, you know, if they can't help you out with that, they don't understand how premium finance fixed index universal life works because they they're not in the business. They don't sell products. They don't understand product to get you the solutions you want. And so unless your head is in that game all the time thinking about the future, you're probably thinking about the past and getting your tax return, you know, your tax season done, getting the, the forms filled out right, getting the returns uh, done right. And doing it's a very important piece of the puzzle is getting your taxes right. But uh, tax planning is something completely different. It's like a different muscle, you know. If you don't use it, you're probably not going to be great at it, especially if you're not licensed to give investment advice, which most CPAs cannot. Brian, you're both a CPA and a financial advisor. Do you think differently? What I mean by that is when you do investment choices, do you think differently because the CPA side of your brain is saying to the investment side, hey, 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 remember this part of this? Absolutely. I can't separate the two. When I look at any situation, I'm picturing the tax return where it was, where it will be down the road, what it will be in the near term, long term. I'm looking at the investments with the same thought process. I'm thinking I'm looking at numbers on the sheet of paper and I'm thinking, OK, what's cost basis here? Uh, what are the opportunities here? They are tied together. You, you cannot separate the two. And and so, and some people, you know, they come here and go, well, I want the, the person that's a CPA doing my investments. And we, you know, we have several people like that, but we have an investment committee, which is, which is centralized and I'm the, the lead of that. And so we, you know, the, the investments that are made here run through the investment committee, which I certainly have my fingers on all of that. But our other advisors, even the ones that are not CPAs, they have full access to our CPA firm and our other advisors that are CPAs. So what happens is they'll come upon a, a situation and they'll go, huh, I, there's definitely a tax question here or, or a state tax or trust or some kind of planning question, business succession, real estate, whatever the case may be. And they will run it by one of our CPA advisors. And the CPA advisor might go, great question. We're going to do an analysis, a what-if scenario. We'll give it to one of our uh, CPA on staff to run different what-if scenarios. We'll analyze this and, and work together with our advisor on that. So even our advisors that aren't CPAs have full access to all of our CPAs and our advisor CPAs. And so they can get all the answers just like they would n normally. Most firms obviously don't have access to people on both sides of the fence that can, can work together with that. So we, we work as a team, but our investment committee is centralized so that uh, people are getting the, the same answers on their investment uh, recommendations, regardless of whether they're talking to one of our CPA advisors or not. We're talking with Brian Evans of Droner Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs about why you need a CPA advisor combo. Brian, earlier in the show, I made sort of a bold statement. I said, you know, one of the biggest ways to grow your retirement and grow your wealth is by minimizing your taxes. 
Is it just as important to minimize your taxes in wealth growth as it is making the right investment choices? Yeah, it can be. I mean, there's just some real basic stuff. Like in the state of Washington, you know, we have a very low estate exemption amount. And you know, half the people, I, uh, new prospects I talk to, don't have a will or a living trust. Mm. And aside from all the, the benefits of that, health care directives and durable power of attorneys and, and clarity for your heirs and, and your loved ones, your spouse, what, there's a million things that wills and living trusts can do if, if done properly. But aside from that, they're missing the paragraph that automatically can save them, you know, their heirs several hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars. Uh, so a three hundred thousand dollar paragraph—that sounds pretty important. Oh yeah, that's that's three hundred thousand tax-free too. <laughs> that's that's pretty important. And so just little things like that. There's there's so much there. When you add up good tax planning for something that has you know a fairly significant amount of finances throughout their lifetime versus bad tax planning, the the results can be phenomenally high. I mean, more than you made working in your job for a decade kind of high. So to me, yeah, uh, because investments, it's harder to differentiate investments. If It's like, well, I went to Fidelity. I bought their S&P 500 fund. I went to Vanguard. I bought theirs. I bought bought American Growth Fund. They're all going to do about the same. So there's not a lot of differentiation between index investing uh, with one company versus another. A huge differentiation in your end result with qualitatively high income tax planning uh, expertise and qualitatively low. And Brian, I know that everybody doesn't listen to all of our shows all the time. We wish they did, but in reality, they don't. That's just the way the world works. If you can repeat that story again about the million dollar lawnmower, I mean, this is an estate that paid way more in taxes than they had to. Oh, yeah. This guy decided to do his own will because he wanted to save $1,000 because he wanted to buy a $1,000 lawnmower. Uh, he had plenty of money, but he, he did his will, and it was a couple pages, and it didn't have, of course, a paragraph. And so he passed away, and uh, they missed out on the step-up in basis. I mentioned the $300,000 error. If your estate is big enough, uh, that error can be easily into the millions of dollars. Uh, it could be 3 to $4 million dollars. Because of the federal exemption, if you have a federally taxable estate, the paragraph, a paragraph in your will, is a $3 million paragraph. <laughs> I mean, $4 million paragraph, or actually more. Uh, it can't be more than that. That's a lot of money. I mean, I don't care who you are. That's a lot of money. And so, yeah, it, it, in his case, it was only a, well, it was only a million-dollar mistake. Mm. So I call it the million-dollar lawnmower because, yeah, he saved a grand, but it cost his heirs a million. So uh, that was pretty bad. But these kinds of decisions can be generational. I mean, (laughs) you know, uh, he never made millions of dollars. He never made a million dollars in his lifetime. And and that's what it cost him to try and do something himself. So uh, I do want to encourage people listening. If you don't have a will or living trust, that's okay. Don't be embarrassed by that. Go get one done, though. Get one done soon. So if you are doing an estate plan, I mean, that's another reason why it's very important to have that financial advisor who's doing that estate plan for you, or at least advising on that estate plan to also be a CPA. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about it and talking about it, and and, because a lot of things I talk about is not stuff that I actually offer. I cannot do your will or living trust. I cannot get paid for advising on that. I can't get paid for a lot of things that we do. A lot of times our job is to disqualify something that people come in and they say, I want a Delaware statutory trust. Okay, well, let's talk about your situation. Our job is to disqualify that trust, figure out why you wouldn't do it. If we can solve for that, then we're doing the right thing for that client. We don't want to just sell them something that's inappropriate. We're going to figure out if it's appropriate or not by trying to figure out all the reasons why it may not be. So a lot of the stuff that we do as a CPA advisor is geared towards your overall, the, the seven roots of your financial future, of your plan, that you have all those roots. We don't get paid for most of those things, you know. I don't send somebody a bill because I did some really great tax planning while I'm sitting there, you know, working through their financial plan. But it's the right thing. It's part of the process. And so we want to get all the pieces of the process right, not just a couple of them or one of them without considering the others. So that's why it's really important to integrate all of this. Yeah, and that is something that Nick Smelzer mentioned on last week's show. Nick, of course, one of our advisors here, is that when you sit down with someone who is maybe a new client and maybe they're asking about something like a Delaware statutory trust or they're asking about some other financial product that they want, you, first of all, will give them the reasons why you would not want to do something like this. 
Right, right. Uh, we want to talk about the DST when it's inappropriate. I want to talk you out of annuities when they're not appropriate. I want to talk you out of the market if it's not appropriate. I'll, I'll talk you out of anything. I can talk you out of anything if, if it's the right thing to do. And so that's exactly right. Even disqualifying ourselves. I've had people come to me and go, yeah, I'm in a 60-40 stock bond split and I really like it that way. And I guess I should turn my money over to you. And, you know, if it's just, if they're just putting their money in the market, it's like, well, my market's the same as yours. I don't know that you don't want any advice from us. No, I don't. I already have that. Like, well, what do you need us for? Just do it yourself. So sometimes that's the answer. Very often people come to me with real estate and do you like your real estate? Yeah. Do you like being a landlord? Yeah, I kind of do. Is your cash flow good? Yeah. Is your property good? Yeah, yeah. You know, why you want to sell it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I just heard <laughs> about this DST. I said, don't do a DST. <laughs> your, your property's fine. Why would you sell that thing? And oh yeah, you're right. Well, how do you get paid for that? I don't. I just talked myself out of money, but it's the right answer. So I love talking myself out of money because I feel good about my myself and my career. And I know my you know, I was just talking to Bob Bauer today about that, the founder of the firm, right. and I, I expressed to him my gratitude that uh, when I, you know, learned from him, he was my mentor. And that is what he did. He gave advice and he talked to people like they were, you know, his brother, sister, you know, mom and dad, whatever. Mm-hmm. He gave the right advice. He didn't care about it. He never thought about the money. He always thought about what's the right thing to do for that client. And he had the courage. Most, you know, unfortunately, a lot of CPAs don't don't feel like giving you a lot of advice. They just want to kind of do their work. He had the courage to always give his opinions and they were well thought out and right or wrong, he'd he'd tell you what he thought. And and it was kind of a thing, you know, when when I have a tradesman come, they ask me, what do I want? I look at them, I say, well, what would you recommend? What would you do if it was your? Well, I would do X. Thank you. That's what I want to hear. So that's what he would do. That's what I would do. Uh, we're, we're, We're trying to always do the right thing for the client. And so that's really, important nuance of, of what we do. Yeah, and I find that so refreshing is that you really want to do what the right thing for the client is. And when you think about that, I mean, when's the last time you went to a car dealership and, you know, the salesperson came up to you and, you know, you wanted this car and they said, well, let's go through the reasons why you wouldn't want to have this car. <laughs> They're going to sell you. <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> exactly. And that's because they have a lot of sales training. And here at Madrona Financial, the value of what you do is so great that you do not need to have sales training. As a matter of fact, you discourage people if things are not the right thing for them to do, regardless of what money that Madrona Financial might make. So I think that's really, really highly unusual. Once again, you're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Once again, we encourage you to go to our website, madronafinancial.com, and take that rooted wealth analysis. You're listening to this program, you're probably saying, well, my financial plan is well-rooted. It is rock solid. Well, think of about those big trees that fall over on their sides after a big storm. It's because their roots were not well-rooted. How well-rooted is your financial plan? Well, you can find out by going to madronafinancial.com. Take the rooted wealth analysis quiz there. Just simply click on the button that says get started and you will get your answer. Once again, it is madronafinancial.com and it is entirely complimentary. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show after this. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And this segment, we're going to be talking about the 1040 treasure hunt. And Brian, the 1040 treasure hunt. I mean, the 1040, of course, is a tax form. I think most people know about that. There's the 1040EZ, which is the most basic of tax forms. Those people are not your clients. But let's talk about the uh, 1040. Now, as a CPA, when you take a look at a 1040, Brian, what do you see? Well, I see different things than other people see. Other people see lots of forms, lots of numbers, lots of boxes, lots of line items and and addition sums and all that stuff. But I I see something uh, quite different. Okay, so let's go down the list here. I'm going to do a little quiz for you. When you see a Schedule A, what do you see? Well, I know what most people see. They see itemized deductions. They see medical and interest expense and taxes and miscellaneous itemized deductions, charitable donations, and they add up to a certain amount. And you put that on page one of the tax return. Okay, so I see different things. So what I might see is I see charitable donations on there. 
And I know that that taxpayer is 72 years old or older, and they could be donating their required minimum distributions directly to charity and getting the full benefit instead of paying taxes on those RMDs. I might see uh, total itemized deductions that is approximately equal to your standard deduction or maybe somewhat less. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, well, you're, you're not getting benefit for any of this stuff on this page. So maybe we should do a donor-advised fund and, and load up your charitable donations in one year. Maybe you should pay off your mortgage. You're not getting any interest back from, you're not getting tax deductions back from the IRS. I might see that too. So there's a lot of things I might see just looking at your itemized deductions page that you wouldn't see necessarily looking at the numbers. Okay, so now that's Schedule A. That's a lot to see and read between the lines. What about a Schedule B? Schedule B, you're going to see interest income and dividend income. And I might see, well, you got interest income here. A lot of it's municipal bond interest and municipal bonds aren't, you know, they're losing money in a rising interest rate environment and they don't pay very well. And you're in a low tax bracket anyway. So you weren't, you're not really saving yourself a whole lot there. And maybe I see a lot of different interest there that is getting a very low rate of interest. And you're saying, well, at least I'm getting one or 2% or 3%, whatever. I said, well, you're in a bond fund that lost 10% or whatever because interest rates went up. So you might want to reconsider how you're investing that money there. I might see uh, on the dividend part, I might see some dividend paying stocks. Uh, maybe that's okay. And maybe uh, you're overweighted in a certain area sector of the economy that has uh, higher dividend paying stocks or low. Maybe you need the cash flow. And I'm seeing, well, I know you have a $2 million stock portfolio and you don't have any dividends here. And maybe it's all in Berkshire Hathaway or something like that, which is a great investment, but it doesn't pay a dividend. And so just kind of analyzing that, talking through it, are, are your investments in the right place? The dividend and interest line on the tax return uh, can at least be a starting point to have that discussion. Now, Brian, there's also a Schedule C. I have one of those filled out for me. First of all, what is a Schedule C? And secondly, what do you see when you see a Schedule C? A Schedule C is sole proprietor business. And there's a lot of things I see there. First off, I know that you have unlimited liability. And so you don't have liability protection afforded by a limited liability company or a corporation. And so it's one thing if you're in a high liability area, I would want to consider incorporating or getting an LLC or an LLC electing S-Corp status for tax purposes. I see that. I see uh, you're paying a whole lot of subemployment tax. You're paying both halves of Medicare and Social Security. And it's possible to get some relief from that in an S-Corp or an LLC electing S-Corp status for tax purposes. I see that uh, maybe I see some expenses missing from that because you don't know what's what's deductible. I might look mm-hmm. down that and I, I know you did X, Y, and Z, but you have a zero on that line. You say, I, I didn't know that was deductible. I might see an opportunity to hire uh, your kids or your spouse and have them covered for, you know, health care or whatever. There there might be a whole lot of different things there that I would see in a sole proprietor versus uh, having that as a pass-through on Schedule E. And once again, if you're having your tax return done by an outside tax preparer, I mean, they're going to do a Schedule C for you. But if I'm hearing you correctly, there are a lot of things that just a basic tax preparer is not going to see. Yeah, that's that's not you know common sense or anything like that. They're, they're going to get get the Schedule C done correctly. They're maybe not feeling like they're in a position to advise you on what to do outside of that. Okay, so we've covered uh, Schedules A, B, and C. I didn't know that there was a Schedule D, E, and F, so let's go with Schedule D. What is D, and what do you see? Well, Schedule D is your capital gains, and, and certainly, uh, depending on what kinds of things you have, short-term capital gains are taxed at a higher rate than long-term. You might have long-term capital loss carry-forwards, <laughs> and so you might want to actually trigger some capital gains to offset losses. I, I might know that you have a Delaware Statutory Trust 1031 exchange coming up, and I see a long-term capital loss carry forward, I'm going to say, why don't you hold some money out from that DST so that you have some cash because it'll offs- you'll, you'll be taxed on it, but it's going to be offset by this long-term capital loss carry forward. I sound like a total nerd today, I was don't say, I? That's the reason why I was chuckling there. It's because, <laughs> man, when I get you started on this stuff, it seems your brain is working so fast that your your mouth really just can't get the words out. I mean, and I'm trying to go slow here. So you're going slow. I mean, this is incredible. I've never mm-hmm. met anybody before who has that sort of brain. But anyway, Anyway, I'm going to let you continue there. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, well, well, you have to schedule E because right, right, schedule right. D is kind of boring. Uh, schedule E, you're going to have, you're going to see your rentals on page one, your pass-throughs from S-Corps, LLCs, and, and partnerships on page two. On page one, I'm going to look at the rentals. I'm going to do a calculation of what your net cash flow truly is from that rental relative to uh, the fair market value. I'll have to get the fair market value outside of the tax return, but I can find the cost basis within the tax return, how much depreciation recapture you have. I might see that you have an older properties there because your repairs expense are high and your cash flow is low. And you might consider doing a Delaware Statutory <laughs> Trust, 1031 exchange, something like that. I might see, sometimes I see, uh, where's your property taxes here? I know you paid them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you forgot them. <laughs> I might want to amend that tax return or your insurance. I, I know you're paying that. I see that all the time. So I might see missing things on there. But certainly uh, long-term opportunities for uh, what you want to do with the real estate or I might say, gee, your, your rents are seem awfully low relative to your expenses and the fair market value. Yeah, I haven't raised rents forever. Um, that's okay if that's what you want to do, uh, but you might uh, want to be doing something else. Well, your knowledge is truly impressive to someone like me. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Brian, and we have not rehearsed this. I've not fed you this question ahead of time. Are you a CPA first and an advisor second, or is it the other way around? <laughs> That's a great question, Jeff. I am, I am a CPA first, Okay, I would have to say, because that's the hard part. That's the hard one. Now, the advisory is what I need to have access to the products. They're the tools, okay? But the tools are one thing. I'm, I'm more interested in the mechanic than I am the tools. Mm-hmm. So maybe being the CPA is more being the mechanic and having the skill set you need to properly use the tools. Boy, that's not a bad analogy. Usually I have yeah. a lousy sports analogy, but this is a good one. Good one. So, yeah. So I, I'd say the mechanic in me is the CPA, and that's it has to start with that. And then uh, certainly the, the tools are the FIULs, the annuities, the DSTs, the REITs, the stock market, the premium finance, uh, FIUL, whatever it is, that, that those are the tools to accomplish uh, what I'm trying to set out to do. Well, you started out as a CPA many, many years ago when you met Bob Bauer here, and it was just, you know, I guess the Bauer CPA firm. How many years were you a CPA before you started, uh, you know, getting into the financial advisory world, and why did you do that? Oh, probably about 16, 17 years before I got licensed. And, and I got licensed because I had clients that wanted me to invest their money and give them advice on that too. And I, I couldn't do it. I wasn't licensed. And they said, well, get licensed. So I did. And it turned out that that's, you know, I just thought I'd do it kind of a little bit here and there part time. In fact, Bob and I were just talking about it. Three years into it, we were managing, you know, all in, you know, maybe... I don't know, oh, probably $13 million or so. And now we're 40 times that. And so it took over because that people, you know, they saw that the, the integration, how important it was and, and how much they could benefit them themselves by uh, having the integrated CPA, the mechanic, along with the tools. And so uh, that became what it is today. And it took off from there. I, I still can do the CPA work. I don't even know how to turn on the tax program, though. But <laughs> I under, I know the, the code. I, I understand all that. Yeah. Uh, the CPAs here are much better at that than I am at this point. But I, I do have the... I, I brag about my, my nerd, nerdism on having read the Master Tax Guide six years in a row, cover to cover, which is everything uh, summarized in the tax code. Wow. So, you know, I, I really have a. We talk about rooted wealth. Yeah. I was very rooted. My tax knowledge is extremely rooted due to that kind of study. All those years doing all those tax seasons, all those thousands of tax returns I prepared, reviewed over all those years. So my my roots in this, and that's why I can talk crazy, just go, go, go right. on all these topics because of the rooting, uh, rooted uh, knowledge base I have. That's how we want our financial plans to look, that they're really built on solid foundations so that they can accomplish the purposes they're, they're set out to do. Well, Brian, you've put on quite an exhibition today of knowledge about taxes and certainly about financial planning as well, too. If you've listened to this program and you're impressed with what Brian has uh, talked about today, you can go to the website madronafinancial.com and get your rooted wealth analysis. doesn't cost you anything. Simply just click on the button, get started, and see how well-rooted your financial plan is and particularly as far as tax minimization goes. Once again, it's madronafinancial.com. Click on the rooted wealth analysis tab there and click on get started to find out out how well your financial plan is rooted. Brian, out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank our listeners as well, too. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth.
No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency, and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.